So this week, we are sort of cruising towards the end of our series on speech and the words we use and all that stuff. Next week, Jared's going to bring a, uh, I think what's going to be a really great and insightful message uh, about the complexities of speech in our digital age and how our capacity to sin in our speech has increased exponentially through modern technology. So uh, I'll let him get into that. But I'm sure as we've gone through these last few weeks, you've probably uh, felt maybe a little bit like this. You're like, okay, well, this works to talk about speaking nice and saying nice things and all that type of stuff. You know, we talk about dangerous speech and Yes, we know it's dangerous. Yes, we know it can be a problem. Um, and then the week after, you know, last week, we started talking about how do we turn that speech to more gracious speech. And we looked at sort of this issue of our heart and how a lot of our speech, it, it, well, all of our speech comes from this place right here. And the question I think a lot of us are now dealing with is, well, what, what do you do with all this stuff that's like right here? What, what do you do with this? Because, I mean, sometimes it just builds up until you've got to get it out. You know what I mean? You've got it. It's built up in there and you've dealt with the frustration and you've been on hold for four hours and it's time and somebody needs to know how I feel about all of this. Two entrepreneurs have come up with a solution in Germany and my German is, is bad. Um, non-existent is really the right way. Uh, there's a hotline known as Schimpfloss, which in German means swear away. Just swear away. You just, for, for a measly $2 a minute, you call in and you can tell them whatever you want to tell them. You just get it all out. You know what I mean? All that stuff's built up and you just let them have it. Okay. Reuters re reported on this and they said, don't expect operators, however, to put up with uncreative milk toast swearing. At times, they will provoke lackluster callers with rude comments like, that's the third time I've heard that today, or is that the best you've got? <laughs> Ralph Schultz, one of the creators of Schimpfloss, says, we don't judge people who are angry. Uh, he says, if you're stressed at work, you go home and your partner gets an earful, even though it's not their fault. Schultz says, anger happens. It's natural. With us, you can blow off steam, no strings attached. For getting everything off your chest, our service is a bargain. Wow. I know some of you are like, what's the number? But uh, <laughs> friends, it's in German, so you're going to have to learn how to get it out in German. So if that's not you, let's try to come up with a different idea. Thankfully, Scripture, in fact, has. Before Schimpfloss uh, existed, James offered up some suggestions for us. And so this morning, we're going to look at James chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, I would suggest you be open to that text of Scripture, James 5. Uh, but uh, we are going to look at a few other things, and we'll put those up on the screen. James's solution is pretty consistent with Scripture from the Old Testament until then and up till now. Um, he says, listen, instead of evil speech, there's one thing you should do. You should pray. Instead of evil speech, you really should be praying. Uh, let's look at how this works in this relationship here in James chapter 5, verse 9. He says, Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. 
we see right here that James is talking about people that grumble. Why are they grumbling? Well, he tells us, he says, because they've suffered. People that suffer or are facing some sort of difficulty, those are the people that grumble. Now, I, I know we can all think of people that grumble even when something good is happening. That's true. But by and large, the majority of people that grumble are those that are going through a difficult time. You know, they're frustrated. They feel hopeless. And James is writing to a church that is suffering. Intentions are running high in this church. They're being persecuted. And we might say they're on edge. And so it could be that any little thing is setting them off. And James says, don't grumble. Instead, look to the prophets who were persecuted. And yet they too, they were able to endure patiently. You come down to verse 13. That word suffer shows up again. He says, are any among you suffering? They should pray. The relationships are clear. He says, listen, you can grumble while you suffer or you can pray while you suffer. That's really your choice. And beloved, don't grumble because that's just going to make it worse. Instead, pray. Pray while you're suffering. He says, are any of you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Verse 14, are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. James says, listen, don't grumble against each other. You are not going to be able to solve each other's problems. Take all of that negativity. Take all that pain. Take all of that anger. Take all of that hopelessness. Take all that frustration and give it to God in prayer. Now, what does that look like? I mean, how do we do this practically? I want to spend some time now just sort of out of the text of James, looking through a bit of a a small survey of some scriptural teachings on prayer. So first, here we go. In order to avoid evil speech, and we're going to do this through prayer, we should first and foremost pray all the time. Pray all the time. Set yourself up for success. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. It's a real short verse. You might even be able to memorize it this morning. Pray without ceasing. Maybe we can even try that together. You want to try it? Let's see. Pray without ceasing. Close your eyes. Let's see. Let's try it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to peek so that way I know that you're closing your eyes. Okay, all right. Now I'm going to close mine too. Pray See, there you go. You've memorized Scripture already. There you go. Our lives should constantly be open to God through prayer in everything we do. Now, this doesn't mean you're going to take the bulletin home and you're going to you know, take that with you, pray. You're going to te- you know, read and pray and drive and pray and all those sorts of things. But, but what Thessalonians is challenging us to is to constantly have our hearts, our lives, our minds open to God in prayer and be offering those to God through prayer. There's lots of different ways you could do this. Um, one of the best, I think, is to, to catch a, a short phrase out of a psalm you read in the morning, and you can sort of offer that as a prayer to God. Uh, this morning I was reading through one of the psalms, and a phrase that stuck out to me was, God is my helper. God is my helper. And, and you can kind of hold on to that throughout the day. If you're new to this and you're thinking, I just don't know what I would pray, pray those things you memorized as a kid. Pray through Psalm 23 or, or pray through the Lord's Prayer. Most of us can get through that you know, without a whole lot of, of trouble. And, you know, when you pray the Lord's Prayer by yourself, it doesn't matter whether you say trespasses or debts or or debtors or sin. You know, you're not going to get it wrong. So you're able to pray to God continually throughout the day. When you do this and you make this a practice, you will find that you're not blindsided by difficult situations or difficult people because they're coming into a conversation that you're already having with God. And you don't have to go pray because you are praying. So that would be step one is to pray without ceasing. The second thing sort of expounds upon the why. Uh, We want to pray, and we want to pray confidently 
Because God gives in response to our asking. God gives in response to the request that we make. James chapter 1, verse 5 talks about this. James says this, he says, If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives generously uh, to all and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. If any of you is lacking wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. Jesus will also expound upon this here in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 11, uh, when he talks about prayer. Joel, I think we got that one on the screen, don't we? Matthew 7, next one. There we go. Nope. 4-1. There we go. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If your child asks for bread, who will give a stone? Or if the child asks for fish, who will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Now, we know from Scripture that God knows our needs before we ask. Matthew 6 teaches that. But James 1 and Matthew 5 uh, Matthew 7, teach this, that God gives in response to our asking. He knows you need it. He knows you want it. But if you do not ask, Scripture says that, that you're less likely to receive. God says if you ask, you receive. If you knock, the door is opened. I mean, imagine going to your neighbor's house and just standing outside their front door. Just standing there, look at it. Try it today. Try this. See what happens if you just stand outside your neighbor's door and just look at it. Don't do anything else. Don't knock. Don't ring the doorbell. Don't make a sound. Just stare at it. The the cops will probably come. Um, But the door's not going to open. Why? Because nobody knows you're there. Now, I know that God knows that you're there. and God God knows that you're there. But he says, listen, I want you to humble yourself and ask. And if you will ask, you will receive. So we pray because God gives in response to our asking. The third thing we do is is a bit of perspective. We need to have faith that God will always give good gifts to you. Uh, Luke restates Matthew 7 in Luke 11, and he adds that God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Uh, What Luke is implying is that the Holy Spirit is the best good thing anybody could ever receive. And, And what Luke's emphasis here is that God gives good gifts to people, and James will get at this too. In verse 117, where it says that, that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, that God gives really good gifts to people. And the emphasis in all of these teachings is that God knows what's good for you better than you know what's good for you. And so the emphasis and the confidence isn't in that God's going to give me whatever I want. It's that whatever God gives me is going to be good. That whatever God gives me is going to be good. It's this confidence in God rather than a presumption that we know better than God that gives us confidence in our prayers. This is why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer starts and he says, listen, before you pray about anything else, say, uh, you know, our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we start to get this right, this understanding that God gives good gifts to those who ask, and that God meets us in our point of need with the things that we need rather than even what we know what we need, that's when we are going to start to find that our prayers are successful. John fifteen seven, Jesus teaches this. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
right here we see that when we abide in Christ, Christ is literally going to pray through us, and God is going to give us the answers to all of the prayers that we have. We will find that our every prayer is answered when our every desire is God's. And that is, I think, the critical teaching here. So how do we do that? How do we get to this place where we're aligned with God in such a way that, that our heart is God's heart and our requests are God's requests? Well, it starts by being perfectly open and transparent with God. And so this fourth thing here, letter D, is that we've got to take everything to God, every emotion to God. I think sometimes we try to hide things from God. We keep things from God. It doesn't work real well. If you read through the Psalms, uh, you don't have to get real far before you will have this response. You'll be like, why is this in the Bible? Why did this Psalm make it in? I think if we were going to edit the Psalms today together collectively, I bet the Psalm book would be about a third shorter. Because there's a lot of Psalms in here that we would kind of say, well, that's kind of weird. That's kind of awkward. Psalm 52, I think, is one of those. It says, why do you boast, Almighty One, of mischief done against the godly? All day long you are plotting destruction. Your tongue is like a sharp razor, you worker of treachery. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking the truth. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Wow. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? This is probably not a lot like your prayer life. Maybe it is, but it, it is probably not. Most people I know don't pray like that. Most people I know don't talk like that. You've got somebody that you work with that's known for dishonesty. Even though you feel this way, you don't say it. You don't say, hey, listen, partner, your tongue is like a sharp razor. You are an excellent worker of treachery. You know, you love lying more than speaking the truth. I know you're lying when your mouth is moving because that's how much you love lying. And we don't pronounce judgment on people, do we? We'd be like, hey, listen, God is going to snatch you from your tent. He's just going to pull you out. I would steer clear. We, we, don't, we don't say that, but we feel that way. I mean, we really do. If we're going to be real honest with ourselves, you know, maybe in a meeting later, we could all sit around in a circle and give just our first names and we could talk about how we really pray these kinds of prayers in our hearts and in our minds. And yet sometimes we feel guilty about it. We're like, does God really want to hear that? The, the Psalm 52 and, and a whole bunch of others like that are in the book of Psalms to give you and me permission to pray the way that we feel. If you want you know, something evil to happen to somebody, it's probably better that you tell God than somebody else. Okay, Because if you tell somebody else, it can be used against you in a court of law. It's, it's just between you and God the other way. You know what I'm saying? It's better that way. Sometimes the only appropriate outlet for our emotion is to take it to God. Sometimes the only person we can talk to is our Lord. And the reason these Psalms are in Scripture is it gives us permission to be angry. And if you read through the Psalms, you'll find that you even have permission to be angry at God. And you can say, God, I don't know where you've been, but you've been a deadbeat, and I want you to show up. That's the permission we have. That's the kind of confidence we can have in prayer. And it's only when we start to take everything to God that God can start to change it. If we keep it to ourselves and we hold on to it and we keep it in, guess what? God can't do anything with that. We've got to surrender it to God. We've got to lay everything out there for God. And it's then when He is going to start to do some transforming work in our hearts. 
Uh, the fifth point here, letter E, I, I, I don't count my letters real well, um, is we've got to keep praying even when it doesn't seem to work. I, I know that some of you are out here, you, you've been beat up a little bit in your prayer life, and you're going, man, I just, you know, I've, I've tried it. It doesn't seem to do a whole lot for me. I get that. You know, people have felt that way for a long time, too. Uh, Psalm 13 is one of those psalms. The psalmist says this. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. David is praying here. He's saying, Listen, God, I'm dying. I am dying right here, right now, before your eyes. And Lord, what are you doing? You're doing nothing about it. How long are you going to wait? Are you going to wait till I'm dead? Are you going to wait till I'm gone? Are you even listening to me? This is the prayer of Psalm 13. And the psalmist is wondering if God is listening, if God is even there. The beauty of Psalm 13, and a bunch of others like it, is who is this prayer addressed to? But the God whom he knows deep down is listening. And so he turns that prayer to God. And if you read through the Psalms, it's like reading through an entire life of prayer in one book. And you see that we go through these seasons in life. We question the existence of God and then we celebrate in His goodness. But the only way to get to that celebrating His goodness is we've got to take everything to God to begin with. That's what enables it. That's why we've got to take every emotion. And that's why we've got to keep at it even when it doesn't seem to work. Because right at that last moment, it seems so often that God shows up. Now, James is going to go on in James chapter 5 to reveal that prayer is a little bit more than just spiritualized uh, self-help. I know that sometimes we feel that prayer is a bit like calling customer service in India. There's a language barrier we can't see. Sometimes we can't understand. Um... Not that long ago. Well, it was a while ago. I take that back. Uh, when we lived at our house out in the subdivision here, they were building houses around us. And f- we had internet come through a telephone line. And, you know, that's how we were rolling at our house. Well, they're moving a- earth around. They've got bulldozers all around my backyard. And the light on the DSL modem goes from green to red. And, you know, I'm not an engineer, but I know what's happened. The bulldozer has driven through the line and has cut it, and uh, I need somebody to fix it. So I call my phone company, assuming that they can and want to help me. Now, I should say this. In fairness to them, I had tried everything first. You know, I had powered off, powered on, unplugged, plugged back in. I did it one way, and then I did it the other way, and I've still got a red light. So... I'm 110% sure that a bulldozer has actively sabotaged my internet connectivity. And so I call AT&T, and I get some nice man half a world away, and he says, what's your problem? I said, well, a bulldozer drove through my backyard and has cut my telephone line. And he said, are you sure? I said, oh, yeah, I saw the bulldozer. I saw the light go out. It's not working. You know, uh, can you send somebody out here to fix this? He says, have you tried turning off your computer? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I've done that. I just before we get any further, you know, we can stop all this, the troubleshooting things. I've turned off. I've unplugged. I've plugged back in. I've done it in three different ways. So let's just skip to the end where you say, all right, here's your ticket number, and the guy's going to come out Thursday between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., and you just got to be at the house all day to wait for him. 
let's just get there. And he says, well, listen, I, it would really be helpful if you could turn your computer off right now. Listen, partner, we're, we're in this together. I feel it. I feel you feeling me, and I'm feeling you. And what I really want is to skip this part because I've already done it. Sir, I, I need you to turn off your computer. So I do. I realize that, you know, we can argue and I can have this fight and I'm just going to get real excited and it's going to do zero good. And so I'm like, all right. He's like, what do you see now? I'm like, I see a black screen on my computer because it's off. Good. Let's turn it back on. All right. Let's turn it back on. And so we go through this and we go through the plugging and the unplugging and it's 30 minutes later. And he says, you say a bulldozer came through your backyard. I said, yes. He said, let me tell you what I think. I said, I'm interested. And he says, I think the bulldozer cut your telephone line. And I think we should send somebody out there to fix it. Thank you. I hadn't thought of that. But I'm glad you came up with that solution. Now, this... This is, I think, often how we view prayer, isn't it? I mean, we go, well, we call, and we know what the problem is, and God, all you got to do is take care of this over here. And, you know, it's like, well, have you, have you done these other things? And, and the problem is that we view prayer in that kind of way. Like, we talk until we're blue in the face, and it still doesn't work, and he's not listening, and he doesn't understand, and he doesn't show up with the solution that we want. But James doesn't think of prayer that way. Verse 13, what does he say? If you're suffering, you should pray. If you're cheerful, you should sing songs of praise. Skip down to verse 15. Why? Because the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who's committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain. And the earth yielded its harvest. James says calling, calling God in prayer it is powerful. It, he says it can bring healing. He says it will bring forgiveness. He says it will change situations. And the word isn't can, but will. It will. It will bring healing. It will bring forgiveness. It will bring change. And yet so often we spend so much of our time grumbling about our situation to people that cannot help. We're talking with them, and they're giving us advice. Like, have you tried turning that off and turning that back on? And have you tried this, and have you tried that? And what we fail to do in the midst of getting so worked up talking with other people, grumbling with other people, is we fail to take this pain and this, this frustration and these challenges to God because it's only God that's going to give guidance. And it's only God that's going to give that healing power. And it's only God that's going to raise up the sick. And it's only God that's going to change situations. And so, friends, let's take James's advice seriously. Let's stop the grumbling. Let's take it to God in prayer. Because God only gives good gifts. Now, He might bring healing in a way that you didn't expect or want, and He might express your forgiveness through a difficult point of honesty and reconciliation. And He might change your situation, not in the way that you wanted, but in the way that was best for you. Because God only gives good gifts. But we know that He gives them to those who ask. And so this week, let's be people of prayer. Let's stop the grumbling and let's turn those, that difficult, those, those hard feelings that we have, let's surrender those to God and see what He does with them. I've got a few suggestions for those of you that aren't in the habit of regular prayer. First is this, is start each day 
just a few minutes surrendering your day to God. This, this takes five, ten minutes, okay? I know some of you are perfectionists, and you're like, if I cannot dedicate an hour to the Lord first thing in the morning in the original Greek language, then it is nothing to me. You're going to have to get real, friends, okay? Because life is going to be happening all around you while you're getting your strong concordance out, all right? You're going to spend five, ten minutes to God surrendering it to Him in prayer. If you are not in the habit of it, I tell you, that right there is going to go a long way. The second thing is that we've already talked about is you're going to try to hold on to prayer throughout the day. And you can do that through several different ways. Finally, I I would say, you know what, sometimes it's best when we have prayer partners and folks that kind of help us along the way. And so on November 17th, we're going to give you kind of a preview um, a free uh, preview of our prayer groups. We have a men's prayer group that meets on Monday morning and a women's prayer group that meets on Monday morning. And uh, we're going to bring in breakfast those days. But what we really want you to know is that that's going to be a guilt-free visit weekend, okay? Some of you are like, I want to try out the prayer thing, but I don't want them to think that I didn't like it and I didn't like them. And so then there, I'm not going to come back and it would be so much better if I just never went at all in the first place because then like, they just assume I don't pray and so that would just be better. And we all get get lots of excuses, and we don't want to try things. But this week, it's going to be a free trial. You can give it a shot November 17th. You can try it one time, and if you don't ever come back, nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to think worse of you. But give it a shot. Some of you might find that very, very helpful. But the key to great prayer uh, is ultimately uh, a a connection with Jesus Christ. Uh, We're going to invite our worship team to come up. Um, John fifteen seven reminds us that uh, if we abide in Christ and His words abide in us, that we'll be able to ask for what we want because what we want is going to be what God wants. And when we start to ask and pray those kinds of prayers, God answers them. And so this morning, if you um, are experiencing some sort of disconnection from God, from, from prayer, from His body, any of those things, we want to invite you to come forward this morning to receive that gift of Jesus Christ and all of the benefits that he gives to us. Um, if that's not you, and this morning you've just been challenged to, to deeper prayer, then, then that's great. What we're going to do is we're going to sing a song right now. And if you've got a decision to make, we're going to invite you to come forward. If you don't have a decision to make, we're going to let you stay there. And uh, you just sing that song and uh, think about coming to the table and meeting Christ here in these next few minutes. Why don't you stand?